Hello, everybody. Welcome to Good People, episode 36. Today, I was joined by Jonathan Harned. He is an EMT and soon-to-be firefighter out in California and the owner and creator of Die Tired. In today's episode, we talked about the origins of Die Tired, some of the work that Jonathan does as an EMT, the importance of finding creative outlets, and reasonable ways to improve your life. Speaking of Die Tired, this episode is brought to you by Die Tired. If you guys are watching on YouTube, the hat that I'm wearing is from Die Tired, and they also have a number of other items like crewnecks and t-shirts and stickers available on their website. Head on over to dietiredco.com. If you like what you see, use code GP15 at checkout for 15% off. Not only is that a great way to support Jonathan, it also supports us here at Good People. Before we begin, if you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider rating the show. It really does help us out a ton. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this immersive listening experience. A meaningful existence is a moving target that, no matter how close, will always be out of reach. We hope this message finds you with an outstretched hand. As we attempt to uncover complex truths, remember, life's toughest questions can be answered if we all just focus on one thing. Being good people. I'm just excited to learn a little bit more about you, man. Uh, so give us a brief rundown of who it, who you are and what it is that you do and you're interested in. Yeah, um, so my name is Jonathan. I was, I grew up in Arizona, uh, East Valley, about 30 minutes east of, east of Phoenix. And I kind of grew up in uh, the more of like a musical scene. I played a lot of drums in different hardcore metal punk bands, um, picked, up, uh, picked up guitar and pretty much spent my child I was homeschooled so I pretty much spent my whole childhood just playing bands and goofing around with friends lighting my neighbors yards on fire and all that <laughs> and uh so and in Arizona there's no regulation for homeschooling so we pretty much I pretty much didn't learn anything up until like <laughs> high school and then I started taking like math classes in high school you know and uh so I, I learned enough to get by you know go to community college and I eventually went to uh Grand Canyon University over in Phoenix but uh, yeah, my childhood was pretty much like almost like growing up on a on a farm or something. It had nothing really to do with with education. I just kind of went out and did stuff and hung out with my friends, rode bikes a lot. Um, so that's I, a very metal childhood. It's, it's a very yeah, it's very metal. I'm waiting for music to like work its way back into my life at some point. But this is, it's got to like make an appearance somehow, you know? Because that's uh, yeah, it sounds like I'm a singer for a hardcore band or something. Very uh, very a day to remember esque. Are you still into music? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll goof around with it. I don't really like moving to California. I have no room for a, a drum kit anymore, so I'll dink around on guitar and stuff. But yeah, I don't. I don't do too much with music. I would like to, but yeah, not a whole lot of opportunities out here for it. Yeah, dude, it's interesting. I uh, probably have like four guitars in my house. My grandpa actually builds guitars, acoustic guitars. Oh shit! And uh, I I play the guitar once every mm, three months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And or I'll go through like bouts of it where I'll like really practice for a couple of weeks, but recently I've started helping my grandpa uh, build some of the guitars, going down to his house and, and helping him with whatever projects he's got going on. I get way more enjoyment out of like <laughs> trying to create it and build one than I do actually playing the guitar. Yeah, yeah, guitars are sick. I have uh, like my weaknesses in life are bikes, guitars, and uh, boots. That's uh. Those are the three things I'll cause a divorce if, if it happens later on in life. But uh, yeah, dude, I love guitars. I had to like, I, I buy them or I used to buy them all the time. I kind of stopped and I'll, I just kind of sold them all off. Now I have like two, but uh, yeah, it's, I love seeing like smaller brands to make them and stuff. Cause you don't have like the name brand slapping a thousand dollars on the price tag, but yeah, that's cool, man. Does he have a, yeah. what's the company called or does he have a company? Oh, uh, he just, there's no company. It's this rickety old garage that he just walks out to every every morning, turns the space heater on. I think he's built – I think he's building three right now at the same time. And I think this will be 22, 23, 24. Gotcha. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, there's not – there are not many of, of his guitars out there. Right. It's just kind of for fun. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll say this too. Um, he's – obviously very invested everything on the guitar save the uh pegs and some of the other like little pieces mm -hmm. is handmade so he like hand carves wow, the neck no kidding 
and everything. And so he's actually gone into a couple local music shops and has shown the guitars and people have paid him these insane compliments. Like of all the guitars in here, man, I would take this one when there's like six, $10,000 vintage Gibsons and things like that, which Dang. is pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for him. I, I, I totally stopped playing music and um, uh, that, uh with the creative act by rick rubin came out and i started reading that and he had a lot of good stuff to say on this kind of like the benefits of playing music or art in general and i, I got back into it but yeah i'm developing a problem now i guess I, I lately i've been spending like a couple hours a day playing guitar like on my off days you know but uh yeah yeah it's cool it's a cool cool gift to have you know if, especially if you were growing up playing music and uh it's super hard to learn as an adult i don't want to learn any new instruments but yeah, if you can learn as a kid when your brain's kind of mush still and and just retain that over time, it's pretty fun. And you're lighting yards on fire. Yeah. Yeah, lighting yards on fire. Yeah, I, I'm actually like shocked looking back on that. Like, n- me or my friends never went to jail or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a, and then my house had like our backyard was just a big dirt lot. And so we would take like people have like furniture that they're giving out for free and we'd take it and burn it in our backyard. And yeah, always had a, a fascination with, uh, with burning things. Hmm. Yeah. You brought up the creative act by Rick Rubin. I just finished that a couple days ago. Um, yeah. What'd you think? Man, it's the most profound work on the creative process. I think I've ever read. Uh, yeah, the, I used to, I used to claim that, um, the war of art by Steven Pressfield was, I would reference that one quite a bit when it comes to creativity. Um, but man, the, the, Rick Rubin, the creative act is, is such a great read. Um, I actually, when, when you and I spoke, however many weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it in a conversation and I had just bought it. So it was kind of one of those like, Oh, this is my sign. I've got to read it now. Uh, things. And I, and I got it, read it. Yeah. Super fantastic book. Yeah. It's great. That's, um, I, I feel the same way. It's like the most profoundly interesting book on the creative process I've ever read or even just take on it, you know, videos included. I felt like um, I felt like there's all these little things in my head that went off when I was playing music as a kid too that I would learn, and to me it was kind of like oh that's just my experience with it. And then reading that book, there's all these little tidbits he would mention. I was like that's exactly what I experienced. I just had no idea at the time. And uh, yeah. I, spe- I think when you're going into it with no reference or anything, I would write music with my friends and stuff and place these like kind of weird boundaries on myself of like. Oh, you have to go about it this way, or if this is how you come up with something creative, then that's wrong. I think reading that book of him just kind of opening all of it up and like it doesn't really matter what your process is as long as you actually create something that you're proud of and and put your all into it. Um, it almost gives like a, a freedom of you can go about the process however you want, you know. So yeah, really eye-opening book, really good read. Yeah, and to that point too, I think in an age where there's lots of talk online about needing to do things a certain way to achieve a certain result. Uh, I just recorded a podcast before this with Adrian Bosman, and he was talking about this where he's never really had goals. He's just kind of done the next fun thing. And that's, I'm the same way. I've never, I mean, I've set goals. Like I've told you this, I did a hundred mile race last year. And uh, that was a goal that I had, but the reason why I did it was because it sounded like a fun thing to do. And so uh, I think in general, if you just, over the course of your life learn yourself and just learn how you operate. Uh, you know, that's it. Just do those things. I had a, I had a seventh grade, um, PE teacher who said she was talking about to, when you do homework and, uh, <clears throat> she pretty much said she's got this one son that her whole life, she was like, go to sleep early, uh, wake up early, get your homework done or whatever it was, or get your homework done as soon as you get back from school. And, and she said to him, uh, one time after school, she, he was like, uh, my mom or sorry, he was like, mom, uh, you know, I don't work well after school. Like I need to wait until later tonight. And it like clicked in her head. Like, Oh, I just have to wait for him Mm. to do it when he's ready. And so she was saying she would let her son do homework from like nine to 11 PM at night. Cause he was one of these like night owl guys that worked best, best at this time. Yeah. And, uh, I think about that actually pretty frequently where, you know, after like 3 PM, my ability to do work shuts off. So, you know, I've always been a morning person. I always like to get things done early. And uh, I think again, in an age where productivity is so valued, it's easy to let those intrusive thoughts after 3 PM creep in of like, Oh, I'm wasting space. I'm, I'm not achieving my full potential. And that's just not true. Like I'm just not built 
to do that sort of thing. Yeah. If you think about it, the way that we grow up, everything is kind of set in place for you where you have to get this task done in this amount of time at this time during the day. And maybe that is applicable, like in your work life, if you're working an office job, but the reality is it's just not true of human nature to have these strict boundaries on yourself of when you're getting these tasks done. And if you're doing a worse job than you would just because you're trying to fit into this time block, what are you really accomplishing? It's kind of like during uh, COVID, everyone realized, oh, my employees are more effective when they're at home working than sitting in a cubicle office for eight, 10 hours a day. And they can get the same amount of work done in two hours at home because they're not distracted or their head's in a better space. So yeah, it's super important to figure out how you operate and get in tune with that. I like to journal and write down stuff a lot, just kind of like learning about myself. Um, yeah, and I think the more like different experiences you have in life, the more you learn about that stuff. Like if you never do art, maybe you won't learn this about yourself in like a fitness perspective or vice versa. So it's, it's good to have like, yeah, get it. a lot of different experiences that vary um, and and figure out yourself. And that way, when you actually have something that's super important that you want to dedicate yourself to, you kind of have an idea of how you operate before that, you know, time comes and you're able to execute at a much higher level than you would if you're just kind of doing what people tell you and this is how you work. Yeah. So. Something that you mentioned this earlier, but I also took away from that book was, uh, the importance that art is for yourself, like creating is for you, not anybody else. And uh, I've always held this belief and Rick Rubin also defines it in the book, but he says that creativity isn't something that's reserved for the artist. It's something that we all engage in, you know, like um, I, I think, I think most people could see this, but to use my example, writing workouts for, for the gym that I work for is super creative, especially I think in a CrossFit context, you can probably see that more. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but I express that creativity all the time. And, uh, obviously it's not necessarily just for me because these are the workouts that other people are engaging in. But when I'm writing them, my intention behind the workout is not to like impress a, a group of people. It's to, uh, you know, accomplish a certain task or goal. And this is just one means to do it. Uh, and it's the way that I think that we should do it. And, you know, I think that that's good enough. And another example is, uh, I've always been into art in general, like drawing, I'm not good by any means. Uh, but something that I've recently started doing since reading this book is doodling more on my iPad, uh, just to like procreate, I actually posted something on Instagram yesterday that I drew. Um, and it's just like a an expression of some of the philosophical things that I think and believe into these super simple drawings. Um, again, I have no idea if I'm going to keep doing it. I don't think it's particularly good, uh, but I'm just starting out and I made it because I thought it was cool and uh, it was like a good reminder for me. And so um, I think had I not read this book just recently, I don't think I would have had the courage to post that on my Instagram uh, just because I would have, I would have had all those things like, Oh, these people, you know, what are they going to think about this? And, yep. but you know, as I hit post, I'm like, I made this drawing for me. I don't care what anybody, what everybody thinks about it. Yeah. And I, I, it's super important to, to do that too. I think, and as you learn more about yourself, you kind of figure out what's making you different than other people. And I think people really sell short the value that they have, no matter their experience of just putting out their unique perspective out there. Cause the fact is all these other people are going to relate to it. If enough people see it. And, uh, and, maybe you will get people who are just down on themselves and they feel the need to talk smack on whatever you're posting. But uh, the reality is there's a lot of people that have perspectives that are not represented just in mass media. And yeah, if you're willing to like put yourself out there and, and say, this is my unique perspective on life this is my own experience. There's gonna be people that relate to it and makes them feel heard. You know, I never got like diagnosed or anything, but I remember seeing like these videos, people talking about ADHD and realizing how much I relate to what they're talking about. It's like, Oh, I thought I was just like, you know, messed up in the head or something but all these other people have the same tendencies and like kind of learning how i operate through other people talking about it. i was like oh yeah, that makes total sense so yeah i mean i'll just i'll just check out the post and uh you know if it sucks and i'll just i'll leave a horrible <laughs> review of it but <laughs> <laughs> i'll appreciate i'll take the feedback yeah uh but yeah i think that opens up a whole like another conversation um i've talked to people about this on the show before with the whole adhd Everybody has something, everybody has letters, you know, a letter disorder, OCD, ADHD, ADD. Like 
if I if I were to diagnose myself, I'm I'm the same as you. This ADHD, I have like this hyperfixation on things. Um, I bounce around a lot with my focus, and uh, you know, any any doctor listening is probably like this guy's an idiot, but I think at some level that's just how we're made. You know, like uh, to that same point, it's it's as simple as figuring out how you operate and work best and doing everything you can to to honor that given the confines that um, whatever societal pressures we have uh, and were given to us like to use your example earlier it's always just been a nine to five it's a it's a eight hour work day and most people probably wouldn't don't prefer that but that's just the system that we were born into and so trying to figure out how to work as best you can in a system that already exists I think it's important for anybody listening to to at least start thinking about yeah the more uh the more men i talk to the more i realize i, I think adhd is just kind of a, a standard issue that you're you're given at birth and uh it's actually more weird to find people that don't have that where they're like able at least with the guys that i talk to I, I think a lot of women have a much easier time like focusing and you know maybe it's because they develop quicker mentally but uh, yeah, most guys I talk to, we have like a really hard time fixating on one, you know, one task and going after it. I think part of it is maybe some mental diagnosis, but another part of it is I think everyone's kind of searching for purpose or meaning in life. And it's really hard to stick to one thing because it, it sucks at the beginning every single time. So I think everyone thinks, oh, this isn't for me. And maybe you didn't get enough time, but there's a, yeah, me and my friend, I mean, we would talk about it all the time where we would try something and we get really excited about it. And then we kind of quit. And that tendency is like, that's how you get nowhere in life. And that's how you end up, you know, being on your deathbed and having nothing to show for it. Cause you can't stick to one thing. So I, I do wonder how much of that is like a mental thing and how much of it is just like a societal, like I want this big purpose that I see on social media or whatever. And I want that for myself, but it's just not meant for you. Yeah. I also think, um, you know, be it gendered or whatever the difference is, there's probably, you know, tech technology doesn't make it easier. We've developed, we all sort of have this compulsion to check our phone and, um, you know, check our email and then work does this. And then I get a text. And so I think in a way we're also probably conditioned, uh, given our, uh, need for, for technology to bounce around our focus. But, uh, yeah, I do think you're right. A lot of people seem to, whether it is a, gendered thing that people have always had and now we're just noticing it and naming it or if it's something that has developed more recently uh it's something that exists in our society um i'm interested to talk to you about the origin of die tired so can you tell me sort of when this all started yeah so uh when i was well back in i think 2018 i i had an idea of starting a clothing brand and up until that point uh, I was really fixated with art and illustration and typography. Um, I just graduated college with a degree in digital design. And uh, I think I was looking for like kind of an outlet for all this stuff that I wanted to do. And there weren't a lot of fields where uh, you can do multiple practices and you're either an illustrator or you're a layout designer or you design logos. And I found like streetwear brands was a way that you can kind of do everything in one. And it, it seemed like um, I wasn't like entrepreneurial at all, but it seemed like a business model where I could design something that's good enough. I can figure it out. I can find a screen printer. I can find blank t-shirts. Um, it's not a horribly complex process. And so, and one of my friends was doing a clothing brand at the time and he did it for a little bit and kind of fizzled out, but it kind of inspired me to start thinking about that. Right. And um, yeah, so I started making shirts and selling them and it was all right. Um, basically I, I did it for maybe two years, just kind of on the side as a little, you know, creative outlet. And I stopped doing it for a couple of years. It's kind of, you know, petered out and, uh, recent, so earlier this year, I kind of started to restart it. I was looking at kind of creative outlets again, and I'm in a place now where I think I have a lot more knowledge on how to actually execute that as a business model and make it work. And, um, a lot more interest in like the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, and I think more than anything, like, so, uh, total side tangent, I'm an EMT. I'm trying to become a firefighter and I have this whole process this year. And I would, during that process, I've learned so many life lessons that I don't think I ever would have learned had I not gone down this path and tried all these new things. And so there's a lot that 
messaging wise, I want to share with people um, and kind of create a platform for that, that hopefully would benefit other people. Um, with the stuff I have to say on the internet, blogging, Instagram posts, and um, yeah, just having like a, a, this is like a really long winded answer to your question, but I think I, I'm really inspired by having something where I can create a product that people can use to represent how they feel. And on the market, I just haven't seen a whole lot of brands that are about living life to your fullest potential in a realistic way, as much as like maybe just a motivational way. Like I work out every day, but um, what's like a more grounded approach to that where you're actually living life as hard as you can and not just, I'm trying to be a professional athlete, but uh, you know, more on a, a normal day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I think it kind of honors uh, reality. You know, there's, it's not, it's not a, just talking to you. I know we've, I've heard you speak on this. Um, there's nothing there, at times there's, there's not a lot of glamor to it. Like you, you're trying to become a firefighter and that is hard. And you, you know, you probably have to do a lot of long days, long nights, prepping and training and um, trying to accomplish certain things in order to do that. And um, I think <clears throat> again, to touch on what a lot of messaging on social media revolves around nowadays, which is productivity and, and becoming your best self what that ends up leading to is this misconception of what it feels like to be your best self. Because based off of my life experience, what it feels like to me when I'm being my best self is I'm tired all the time. You know, like I'm tired. I'm questioning whether or not I'm doing the right things. But those are the days, like, for example, today, I woke up at four in the morning. I got up. I had some coffee and breakfast. I read I'm reading Dave Grohl's memoir right now. I went to the gym and I and I coached two group classes. I had a personal training session. Um, I ran over here. I'm doing like a three-hour block of recording podcasts. As soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to go home and I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to do some office-type uh, admin stuff for my gym before I go back. And I have a one uh, group training session from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. tonight. Like, that's a long day, Oof, man. And, yeah. Solid. But I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to be like, man, today was awesome. Like this was how I want to live my life. I, I got to train people. I got to talk to people and record podcasts. I got to work out like it was the best. And I think that, uh, I don't know. I just, the die tire to me stands out so much because I think it honors that feeling more than anything else. Uh, when it comes to the, the reality of what, of what living a good life feels like. Yeah. It's funny you say that. And I, I try to tread lightly on that subject because some pushback I've heard from other people is kind of like, well, if you're just constantly living exhausted and pushing yourself, like there is a, a level where that's unhealthy and you're not allowing yourself to rest and recover. And I was like, well, obviously you have to rest and recover. It's stupid. But uh, it's funny that you give that example because the when I was a kid, I had this experience and this is kind of where the die tired name stemmed from was uh, I had a summer I was living with my aunt and uncle. And, uh, they had a property out in Georgia with a bunch of land around it. And every day I'd go and do landscaping for them and, and work on the house and clean the roof and do all this stuff. And then, um, my cousin would come home from work or wherever he was at. And we'd go hang out with his friends and do all this stuff. And just like living a really full day. And I remember at the end of each day, my phone would be at like a hundred percent battery because I never had time to take it out. And like that feeling of like kind of what you're talking about, like you're laying in bed and you're like, dude, I, I literally didn't have any spare moment of, moment of today to waste on my phone. I was like actually doing stuff and, and living life. It's, it's a really satisfying feeling. And uh, and you have to find out what that is for you, you know. And I think when people figure that out and you can dedicate yourself to this worthy goal for whatever it is in your life, then uh, it is super satisfying to, to lay on your bed at the end of the day and be like, man, that's well, that's all I had for today, you know. And yeah. I think one of the challenges that a lot of people face, uh, and this is just like with talking to people who are maybe not necessarily in this exact position, but I think of like the 30 to 50 year olds who have families and one way or another have, have lived their life and have gone into fields that they weren't passionate about and now have developed this career where they're making this amount of money and their family relies on them this, this much. Um, and all of a sudden they're like, man, I'm pretty unfulfilled in, in my career. I think that's when it can be challenging because to, to use your point of what is unhealthy, I think is if people don't have the opportunity to 
wake up and then go do something that they're super passionate about and then do that all day. And then when they get home, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, I have to maintain my relationship with my wife. I have to, or, or husband, I have to make sure my kids are turning into upstanding people and are, and are learning how to live and lead productive lives. Um, I have to try to fit time for myself in these hours. And then I have to go to bed and do it all again. And I think, um, where, where it gets challenging for people and maybe where you get that pushback where, yeah, I would love to live my life where I'm doing things that fulfill me all the time is the people who are in a position where unfortunately they don't have the opportunity to, um, to pursue something that, that heavily or that deeply that they're that passionate about. Yeah. I think where it becomes where you have a toxic mindset is when you're thinking I have to be productive. And a lot of people kind of have that perspective and they grew up in that sort of environment where you have to be productive to be a, a valued member of your community or your family. And really what it is, it's, it's not about being the most productive person. It's about having this goal that you set and auditing your time. I think a lot of people will say, well, I don't have time to work out. It's like, how much time do you spend on your phone every day? Or how much time do you been doing this that's maybe not even a waste of time but it's maybe not as valuable as going to the gym and and you know dedicating time to yourself and respecting your body and uh, i think it's really important to to audit your time on a regular basis and say where am i spending this time am i wasting it or could i be spending it better and i think that's where that satisfaction comes from is it sounds like you probably naturally found that groove of i'm spending my time in a worthy way and that's why you feel satisfied whereas other people who work 14 hours a day, hate their lives. And it's because you're not spending time in the place that you're supposed to. And that's not where you're called to be in life. Mm. Yeah. And I also think that one of the solutions is for people who are in that position is just changing your expectations for what the things that you're passionate about looks like. So, so I'll give you an easy example. Uh, I get a lot of fulfillment out of having a reading habit. Um, I've always been into books like growing up. I love to read. Um, and then, you know, I went to college the, the probably two years after I graduated college a year to a year and a half, I had a really tough time getting a reading habit, uh, for a number of reasons. Like I was reading books that I wasn't into, or I was trying to force myself to read like productivity, self-help books that I wasn't into. And, uh, also I just graduated. So I was like, I'm done reading anything for a while. Like, I don't have to anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it hasn't been until maybe the last like six to eight months that I've really pinned down. I've read most days in the last like six months, uh, all kinds of different books or whatever. And I get so much fulfillment out of the fact that if all I do is wake up, get a good workout in and read, I feel like I had a productive day. Like no, no productive work needs to be done. I don't need to make a certain amount of money. Luckily I'm in a position in my life where I can do that now, but I think for anybody who who doesn't literally is their schedule is compact and they're auditing their time as best they can and um, you know they still have all these other responsibilities just just recognize that the things that will fulfill you are probably a lot simpler than you think like it's not the side hustle that you're trying to build being successful that is going to make you feel happy it's just engaging in that side hustle or or reading on the weekends or, or whatever that small habit is, but figuring out what those, those little things are that make you feel good and then doing them as much as you can fit in. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a big neglected part of life. And I mean, I, I spent a couple of years neglecting that as well, of like find things that don't really get you anything except for a joyful experience. And, uh, and I think a lot of times that's like, I mean, for me, my mental health was kind of in the tanks a couple of years ago. And something as simple as just introducing doing things I like doing and not just being focused on how do I be productive and progress my life in this direction I want to go? How do I do stuff to just kind of, you know, for a lack of a better word, like waste my time, but doing something I love doing. And if you can, I think having like a community of friends and, and kind of people that support you in life is just as necessary. And if you can combine those things and like, I, I think pickleball is a great, uh, <laughs> a great like old side hobby to do because then you, now you're out with your friends you're doing something athletic you're doing something you enjoy doing that's a great stress relief or just some sort of like group game that one was just like it's easy you go buy a power 40 bucks and you're good to go but uh yeah you know well here at good people we are we are advocates of pickleball so 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> yeah. percent. i'll just throw down sometime 
it's a it's an increasing virus in California over here, and uh, there's a new court that pops up all over the place. All the fire stations are starting to get in, which is awesome. So it makes me hopeful for my future. <laughs> yeah, I'm training hard. I'm pretty much training nothing but pickleball these days. What is, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What is your what is your journey to becoming a firefighter look like? Like what does that take? Uh, so in California, to be a firefighter, you're you can be a, an EMT firefighter, which is what I'm doing now. Plus, you go to fire academy, and that's a four to six month process, kind of like boot camp in the military. You learn everything about being a firefighter, but in California, you basically have to be a paramedic and then become a firefighter. And, um, that process is about a year long of paramedic school, roughly. And then you have the four to six month fire Academy. Uh, and that's after getting, uh, 2000 hours of EMT experience. So it's about roughly a year of full-time EMT work before you can go to medic school and then you go to fire Academy. So lengthy process, but, um, you know, there's a reason why it has benefits that it does. And not a lot of people want to go through that process, even if they are interested in firefighting. So there's a lot of different avenues you can do. You can do wild. I did wildland for a little bit. Um, and you can go that route. You can be a seasonal firefighter and, uh, like companies like Cal fire, you can work for them, go do deployments in different States or even countries for about six months out of the year for the fire season. And then you can do whatever you want for the rest, rest of the year, or you can keep working on a ambulance or a fire engine, a lot of different avenues for sure. Mm. What stage of that are you in right now? So I'm just an EMT right now. Uh, I've only been working for about six months. I started the whole process like earlier this year in February. I went to a, like an expedited five-week EMT course. The courses are normally two semesters, so it was extremely condensed. Um, and then after that, I did some wildland experience with this past fire season um, up in San Bernardino. And uh, yeah, that season kind of got cut short for us a little bit. So I started looking at EMT positions. So yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to get onto a, a fire station this next year and uh, just kind of see where it goes from there. Mm, very cool, man. Yeah, that's a. I always say like if I if my fitness fails, I'll become a firefighter. But um, I don't know. I just think it's a. That's that's the one like that's the one like brave thing that I feel confident that I I could and and would would do well. Like all of the other stuff that I think are are cool pursuits like military or whatever it is. You know, in my head, it sounds like a cool idea, but I, when I think about it, I'm like, no, I couldn't do that. But firefighting, for whatever reason, is the one that I'm like, yeah, I think I could. Yeah, I, well, I think the firefighting thing—it's more of a matter of are you, are you a person who has a well-rounded life? Because it's it's not like you're this down the middle. Everything is hyper focused in this one area of life. Like firefighters have to be a, a million different things. They're doing hazard uh, biochemical weapons, if they're responding to that, if that goes on, uh, you know, obviously fires, all the medical calls in Southern California, all firefighters, um, unless you have like a private ambulance company stepping in. Uh, so you have to be a very well-rounded individual. You have to be able to talk to people and have a, a good way of communicating with nurses or patients or people under duress. Um, pretty much everyone you run into is in a bad way. So how do you navigate these like kind of weird social scenarios as well and, and get information that you need out of people to help them so i'm not a firefighter i don't know what i'm talking about but from the, like <laughs> all the guys i've met and talked to they're all like extremely well-rounded individuals you don't have anyone who's just like i'm only hyper fixated on this one aspect of life it's usually really good guys um very humble so i've had plenty of guys that like treat me like a, a normal human being even though I'm, I'm kind of a turd on the bottom of the barrel here and they still have like respect and um yeah a lot of humility there so from my experience at least really good guys why is why are emts bottom of the barrel i like i i don't understand the hierarchy of the first responder world they're just uh we're we just have less training than everyone else pretty much okay. in the medical profession i'm going on five weeks versus you know someone who went to nursing school in college so yeah just less experience um we're trained to basically just control certain life threats like uncontrolled bleeding and uh, people who can't breathe and uh, and transport to, transport them to the hospital. Meanwhile, you have paramedics that can actually kind of find a solution to the problem while it's happening. They can give IVs, fluids, intubate, um, a lot more that they can do. And that's 
you know, a year of full-time medic school. Mm. So, you know what I'm seeing is CrossFit trainers in the fitness world are like EMTs. The CrossFit certification is a, it's a weekend course. You pay a thousand dollars and you go for a weekend. It's two days. And then you get, if you pass, you get your L1. Uh, but I always say this, like number one, just depends on who you run into. Like I take, I take a lot of pride in, I, I would consider myself like a health and fitness practitioner. I take a lot of pride in that. And so because of that, I do a lot of hard work of like studying on my own and, and continuing my own education. Uh, but even like, you know, when you're at the L1, they're like, Hey guys, this isn't enough. Like you have to go and coach now and learn how to, how to do this better and, and continue to learn. Um, I'm sure it's probably very similar in your world, but uh, I guess I understand how you feel in that regard. Yeah. hundred percent. Depends on the company you get with you. There's, there's companies where they actually dedicate time to uh, training EMTs after they get hired on. Uh, mine doesn't. So it's basically up to me to yeah study on my free time. Um, EMT school gets you to pass a test basically. And now you're in the real world and there's a million things you have to learn on the job that you never would have learned in school. So yeah, it's kind of up to you to, to figure it out. I mean, if you get onto like a fire station, they're always training and, and you're going to learn extremely fast that way. But yeah, for the company I'm working at, it's like a private ambulance company. So there's no uh, extended training that they do. So I'm just Googling stuff, reading my textbook, kind of, yeah, kind of doing what you're doing where you're able to pass from school and then you have to kind of figure out and become, you know, the best you can be on your own time. Mm, yeah. Uh I'm I'm curious about this. I, I remember talking to you on the phone once, uh, and you said that the die tired name was it was kind of like a aha moment for you. Can you tell me about that story? Like when did you settle on die tired and you're like, I know this is what I'm gonna call it? Yeah, that's one of those weird things where because um, I'm not uh, a big marketing guy, I can barely work my way around any of that stuff. And uh it really I actually don't remember coming up with the name. I just remember when I did come up with it it was this like enlightening moment. And I think sometimes people are, are gifted that I think I was gifted that um, all people say is like, you know, the universe R Ruben, I think in his book is talking about sometimes like just the creative energy in the, in the world gives you these things. And I think it's God. I think there was like some purpose to him giving me that name and um, hopefully like fulfilling some intended purpose with that. But yeah, I really, I couldn't attribute it to some, grandiose idea i had i think it just kind of popped in my head one day and um yeah it really fit it made sense and at the time i was kind of having a similar experience to that where i was uh you know just out of college and working out a lot and uh trying to find my way in life you know and dedicating a lot of time to doing different paths in life so it made a lot of sense at the time and it still makes sense now that's kind of what i'm excited about is years later I, I feel like it's just as applicable and um really positive message with a, a negative sounding name. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's cool. Um, that's actually one of the coolest things from to bring up their creative act again. I almost feel like that's going to be the undertone of the conversation that we have is, uh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> when I was in school, I studied creative writing. And so when I'm learning about the writing process um, from like the professors and stuff, that was the whole thing. Any, any writing professor I had was like, guys, you have to have a writing routine. Like you have to put your ass in the chair and you have to just start writing. And it doesn't matter if it's just flowing out of you and you're writing pages at a time, or it takes you two hours to draw, drum up two sentences. Like you need to sit down and it needs to be a habit and you need to have a ritual around it. And uh, Rick Rubin describes it. Anything creative is like that, where the habits that we have are there so that we are putting ourselves in a position to receive these creative energies. And so like to, to be super specific, good people is the name of this podcast. Die tired is the name of, of your company. Like um, die tired and good people would have happened with or without us in some capacity uh, because somebody else would have, would have created it. Somebody else would have arrived and they would have received this, uh, need or desire to create this thing. And maybe they wouldn't have had the exact same names, but they would have served essentially the same purpose. And I definitely believe that's true. Again, like whether it's God or the universe or whatever, you know, we, nothing that I create as a creator, whether it's artistic or, or more analytical, 
I feel like is a result of me. It was just, it always feels like right place, right time sort of thing. Like similarly, good people was just the one that stood out to me the most. And uh, we weren't, you know, I don't even remember the other names that we came up with, but I think we came up with a list of other names and we were just like, no, it's good people. Like that's, that sounds right. And, you know, we've been doing this less than, than you have, but I, I don't imagine that that name will ever not feel like it is um, applicable to what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's, it's a great name. It has a, a great little uh, purpose that it serves. It's also kind of like the, I like names where it has, it, it's almost like the tagline or the call to action within the name. And that saves you a lot of time with marketing too. Like it's already in the name, so I don't have to come up with anything else. And I mean, good people is a great tagline and a title where you can already tell what it is, you know, just from reading the name. And uh, yeah, it's, it's funny how moments of inspiration spark like that. Going back to like music. I think that's a huge thing too, of uh, similar to creative writing. You have to get in the, in the seat and, and do it. But if you have an expectation of what's going to come from it, if you, read or hear this song and you say i want to make a song like that it's not going to happen unless you are you know national national producer guy but if you sit down with your instrument and you kind of just relax and say well yeah whatever comes comes and it's going to play along you'd actually be like amazed at any skill level you can come up with some like really interesting fun things if you're just willing to kind of like surrender to that energy force or whatever you want to call it and uh and just let it happen i saw an interview with the singer for Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Hom. And he was saying, like, if you have an expectation from music, you're never going to get anything out of it. You have to have this, like, kind of mindset or posture of surrender and uh, just relaxing and, and going with the process. Yeah. Exercise is a little bit different because, you know, there's ways to uh, systematically improve whatever metric you're trying to improve. But that's also that's something I say with people in the gym a lot. It's like, never go into the gym with an expectation. Like every time I've ever gone into the gym, knowing that I'm going to like power clean or whatever with an expectation of what number I'm going to hit, I'm always disappointed. It's always the days where I'm like, you know, I don't really know how I feel, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go in there. I'm not going to have any expectations. I'm going to move the empty barbell as best I can. I'm going to add some weight. I'm going to move that as best I can. And then I just keep doing that. And then, Oh man, I, I PR'd my power clean by 20 pounds today. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is funny how that works. That's that's something I've been learning a lot lately too. Unfortunately, like just recently in life, I wish I like figured that out earlier on. But yeah, there's uh, there's something to be said for just doing having the mindset I'm going to do the best I can. I doubt that you know even LeBron James was the hardest working NBA player of all time, but he was being the best he could be, and it just turned out that he was the best. And uh, I'm sure if you have the mindset of I want to be the very best at this thing that I'm doing. You're really, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Your mental game is going to be off the whole time. But uh, yeah, if you just allow yourself to be the best that you can be, I think you'll be surprised at where that path would take you. And it's probably not what you're expecting, but it's more than likely a better, better avenue than what you had in mind anyways. Yeah. How would you describe the style of, Die tired. Uh, you mentioned earlier you have like this obsession with you said guitars, boots, and I can't remember the other one. Bikes, guitars, boots, and bikes. Yeah. Uh, that's a great way. Like if you look at the stuff, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, but there's there's like this online. It's it's become like a popular thing now. Like it it fits. I don't know if this is a compliment or or an insult, but it it sort <laughs> of fits what is what is a popular online. I think that you have yours is very unique. Um, and I don't know, just looking at it, it's a bit more creative, but I don't, what is that stylistically? It's almost a bit of like Americana, new school Americana. Yeah. That, yeah. That's basically what I, what I'm going for here is, uh, yeah, like a modern take on Americana. I really like some of these gym brands that have more of like a modern design and I'm still figuring it out. You know, I, I've only put out a couple products here and there. Um, but yeah, I'd really like to kind of merge that style of Americana and just functional streetwear where it's not too stylistic to where it, it feels like you have to be this specific person to wear it. But I definitely like the hand-drawn elements. I think there's something that can resonate with someone with a hand-drawn thing, whereas if it's all the perfect computer graphic, you know, how much is that going to relate to someone more than what anyone else could do? So, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I was a... Uh... I was chatting with a group. I was teaching a group thing, uh, and I, I was with a group, and they were all all different kinds of people. Like 
this one um she's like this goth girl that's into pro wrestling and this other guy who's like kind of pretty and um you know works hard on his physique they're they're similar in a lot of ways but different in a lot of ways too i think especially like stylistically and i was telling them that you and i had met and we were going to do this cool thing together and um they were asking me like what the style was and i was like you guys would both like it and then they were like really like they couldn't it didn't make any sense but i was like yeah, yeah like you'll both you'll both you'll both like it i feel like that you know, I'm not even saying this to be nice, but like I do really feel like w- the stuff that you have is is cool in that way where it it's very, um, I don't know, accessible to a lot of different types of styles. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think there's a I guess at the core, I want the brand to feel very human and not this like tough, you know, macho sort of a thing, but have a, a an aggressive mindset and that's accessible to everybody. It's it is not for being successful and living it aggressively is not for one kind of person. It's really, I think would be beneficial to everyone if they were to take advantage of life and, and go as hard as they can in whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. It's like humbly going hard in the paint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just, I mean, it's kind of sad that that even sounds funny. Cause I feel like that should be a, a normal thing is you're finding your goal in life and you're, chasing after it with everything that you have it's i I remember when i first got into working out as a kid i always thought that working out was for workout people and it's a i don't know why that is but it is a weird kind of stigma like people don't feel like oh that's not for me and you know it's it's uh that's completely necessary you have to you have to be into working out if you're gonna be healthy you know you have to take care of your body and, and respect yourself yeah, a lot of my inner dialogue recently has been to that point. And it, uh, I was talking to a, a guy at the gym who him and I sort of make fun of the the that same thing you're talking about, this like masculine bravado, this warrior energy. Like I laugh at that. Yeah. Um, but if you put all my interests on paper, um, fitness guy, jujitsu guy, uh, I've run ultra marathons, I... Uh, I, I can't wait. I want to learn how to hunt so bad. And like that whole world seems super fascinating to me. If you put all that down on paper and I was looking at, it, I'd be like, this guy's an asshole. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't like that guy. Yeah. And, but all of those things, like th- those energies, it's the first thing that I ever did in my whole life where I was like, Oh man, like I'm not a loser. Like I'm actually good at something. Uh, and I, and I'm really interested in this. And so, it's it's just a weird thing of the perception from an outside view. And even I see this as somebody that's in it is something that I almost want to push myself away from. Like I am not those things uh, and I don't want to be lumped into that category of people. But at the same time, all that I'm interested in and I'm good at is all of those things. And yeah. so I don't really know where quite to place that, but I think that you're onto something there with that, with that line of thinking. I think it's weird that people who – maybe aren't into those things. They kind of categorize those people in this bunch of assholes. And that's probably why you think that is because the normal person doesn't want to do all those things. And probably just because it's hard. And for some reason it's normalized for like people to view people have, have those interests as like, I don't want to be around those people, but it's perfectly okay to have, you know, really no objectives. Like it's almost romanticized to be lazy and lay in bed all day. And then I go work a job that I don't really care about. And then I go home and I watch TV. And for some reason, that is less of an asshole than someone who's into CrossFit and working out and hunting. And uh, it's a really bizarre mindset to have. I think people are shooting themselves in the foot. And I don't have anything against like people that think that. But it's it's kind of sad. It's like, well, we're you're going to finish your life and never really realize what you're supposed to be if you're not going to dedicate yourself to something. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what. But, I mean – even if you dedicate yourself to something that wasn't even supposed to be for you in the first place, what you learn from putting your all into something is way more beneficial than what would have came if you were successful in that endeavor that you're going on, going in on. Yeah. I think just trying to have a thing, it doesn't have to be like fitness or jujitsu or hunting or whatever, you know, all those things. It can be like drawing or, uh, you know, or painting or singing or cooking just having like a craft to practice and try to improve yourself at 
is a is a wonderful thing and and no matter what it is like you can't there's no way that you can view or at least in my opinion that you can look at somebody who's doing something that they really find enjoyment out of and they're trying to get better at it and and laugh at them like that's just you know it's it's not about the thing it's not about cooking or painting or you know whether or not you view those things as as productive or not it's the act of trying to better yourself at something that is what is uh admirable or virtuous yeah i always get so excited it would when any of my friends you know embark on something like that where they dedicate themselves to some craft and it's super rare that people do that and when was the last time that you saw someone who's doing well in life you know kind of shit on someone who is trying their best at something it, it doesn't happen it's always from people that aren't satisfied with themselves and, and their own performance in life. And, uh, and that just seems to be the norm. And that's where you get all that negativity and pushback when people are actually just trying their best to, you know, be productive at something and, and get better at it. And mm. it's not, there's nothing wrong with like posting your process of getting there. Like I'm sure if a million people saw your drawing on Instagram, you would get some negative comments, but also they probably don't understand that you don't really draw it. You just started drawing. And, uh, and people expect like a full finished polished product from an artist who's been drawing for 20 years. And really it's perfectly okay to just start on something and feel proud about it at the beginning. Mm. And I also think a good exercise is to just think about all we've been describing. Think about whoever's saying the things about you or wherever you're getting it from. Think about what their life looks like. Like, are, are you really going to care what the person thinks who doesn't even look at themselves positively like the people that are saying that you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that they probably don't even think very positively about themselves in their current situation like that's a that's a good thought experiment to put yourself through next time that you're struggling with getting negative feedback from somebody right yeah something that's been super interesting working as an emt is i pretty much see everyone on hopefully what is their worst day of their life and a lot of these people have like some serious problems going on but a lot of them kind of don't, at least medically speaking, um, they still need to go to the hospital, but it's not that big of a deal, but they're just worn down by life. Cause um, we get a lot of elderly people that constantly have to go to the hospital and a lot of people are just worn down and they're pretty sour when you meet them at first and don't have the best attitude. And sometimes we'll get people cussing us out and yelling at us. And I think at first it kind of bothered me, but then I was thinking, well, what if I approach this situation with a little bit more gentleness and maybe understand that this person is having a worse time in life than me. And almost every time I talk to these people with just a little bit more humility and, and trying to understand where they're coming from, people open up and you kind of realize that these aren't bad people. These are just people in a bad way right now. And they lose a little bit of a little control over themselves given the circumstances, but that's some like really profound moments with these people um, just talking to them and, and they lighten up and they feel like, you're on their side and um, their attitude totally shifts, you know, and it becomes a, a really positive experience and hopefully would like brighten their situation and their day up a little bit. So there's something to be said. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm almost like my experience is the opposite where I like, I see people at their best, like they're doing the, the fitness. Generally speaking, when people join a gym, it's because everything else in their life is going good. Like, okay, now all of a sudden I have the mm. time and money to start working on myself. And so a lot of, times I see people like hitting a PR on their squat or um, getting a new uh, time on whatever workout that they're testing for the day and or or just as simple as wow you taught me this one cue for that made my deadlift feel a million times better uh, and so I don't really get to see a lot of that like people at their lowest but I'm sure that just made me think like obviously this is so tough but it's just one of the keys to life is not letting it beat you down. Cause like, it's hard enough as it is, whatever you got going on, like you just, whatever mindset you need to give yourself or whatever thing that you need to put in place in your life, trying, trying things that make it feel like you're not losing <laughs> life is a, uh, I think one of the keys to making, making sure you, you feel positively about this, this whole thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge concept to grasp too. Cause, um, Man, I mean, going back to like just the expectations people have on themselves and that's given to them maybe by social media. I think a lot of people think happy people are just people who are born happy and it's not this genetically inherited trait. It's tangible action that you take and you have to be doing like 
if I have this problem, how do I fix it? And then take action to actually fix it. And I mean, people who are going to the gym, right. They're probably happier because they're taking actions to get to the point where they're good and they can go afford this like CrossFit gym membership. And now they're taking that action and that's making them, you know, a little bit better in life. And, uh, you have to be seeking out actually like dedicating yourself to being happy and, you know, figuring out what, what is that for you? Do I need to spend more time with friends, family? Do I have to make friends? Do I have to find social circles that fit my kind of demographic that I can get along with these people? And, uh, and really, yeah, go back to audit, auditing your life and, and figuring out kind of what needs to go, what needs to be added. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I know you have, I think you have it on a shirt <clears throat> or it's one of your like taglines, which is faith times action. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, like what is faith? Faith is courage. It's a, uh, and courage requires things to be tough. Like you have to, in order to be courageous, you have to do something that you're scared of. Uh, and, and you also have to have a bit of hope that it'll, that it'll turn out all right. And so, you know, with the courage to, to take that, to take the action, you know, it's, it's nothing profound. If you wake up tomorrow and you decide I'm, I'm changing my life right now, you're not going to feel any different as soon as you think that it's this very slow, arduous, painful process that takes a long time to enact. And it's scary. And you keep, ha you have to keep doing the hard thing every day. Yep. And over time you start to get to a place where like your default setting is better, but you, but you still have to keep doing the hard thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I, I don't like to talk about it too much just because I had such a limited experience, but like doing wildland firefighting was by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I grew up, you know, working out, hiking, playing sports, being outdoors, camping. And I felt like nothing came close to preparing me for that kind of work. Right. And, uh, and my wife says this too, I've never been in a better mental state than coming home from a week of doing that, you know, camping out in the woods and, getting my face burned off with fire and there's like on paper it's like this horrible experience you're you know out there for 14 hours a day hacking away at you know the california high desert it's like one of the worst possible climates for that stuff and uh and i felt so good coming home you know i felt like very accomplished and um just like proud of myself that i, I didn't die and i was able to you know go do that work and uh yeah and go back to what you said like that's i've never felt and well, okay, this is a kind of different tangent, but when I was doing that, I never felt more in tune with like kind of what I read in the Bible and these lessons that you learn about um, taking action on what you believe in. And I, I felt like God was like talking to me in a very tangible way during that time. And that was introduced with a lot of suffering and pain and, um, you know, feeling like I wasn't adequate enough to do that job. But yeah, there's something like almost magical that happens when you're doing something that's almost like beyond your abilities. I think that's kind of where you learn a lot of these little things about yourself and, and how you operate and maybe just humanity as a whole. Yeah. Fight the, the business model of fighting is actually a really good representation. I think of what you just said, where, uh, say you have this super talented kid and in, in your head, you're like, man, this dude's going to be the world champion one day. Well, if you put him in the ring with the current world champion, he's probably going to get his ass kicked. And so what you need to do is you need to pair him up with like the next toughest challenge. Like it's, it's just out of reach enough that you have to sort of rise to the occasion and coming away from that experience, it builds confidence and it builds skills and all the training that went into it and, and life in general or improving anything is, is that, um, I think a lot of times we see people's lives, we see the championship fight, like it's under the lights and a lot of people have eyes on it and there's this crazy knockout and this, this kid who was always going to be the world champion became the world champion. But, you know, uh, when people weren't tuning in were those times when he was really having to push himself, like every fight was just as hard as that championship fight. Uh, even though that, it, that, you know, on paper, the guys that he was fighting early on in his career weren't, weren't very talented or whatever. They were just hard enough to build the certain skills that he needed to, you know, eventually fight for the belt or whatever one day. And I think that, um, that's not really talked about enough. It's, which is the reality of improvement. It's that, yeah. uh, it, it's these very slow incremental marginal changes that take place over time more than anything. That's where you get an actual real sense of courage too, is not talking to yourself in the mirror every morning, but actually going out and doing something that is just maybe just beyond your ability 
or right at the cusp of what you're able to accomplish and powering through that, that's an extremely hard situation to put yourself in. And that's why most people never do it. But that is where you learn faith and courage and all these attributes that make you a better person. It's not about just being stronger, but you figure out enough about yourself to be a better, you know, member in your family and your friend group and in your community from that. What does it mean to you to be a good person? I think that's such a big, it's a big question. And, uh, I think there's so much ambiguity with being just a good person. Is it morals or, or what do you contribute to other people? But I think there's a, a couple different factors that go into it. And I think you have to start with your purpose in life and what are you doing here? Um, and that purpose can't come from this self-serving mentality of, I want to make a lot of money. I want to have these things. I think we've seen enough people in society that aren't happy to have more than what anyone else could dream of. Um, your purpose has to come from people and it has to come from how do I serve people and contribute to their day and, and make their lives better. And I think that's where you get like this real sense of fulfillment is being a contributing member in whatever community that you're in. And uh, I think by doing that, then you're naturally finding these points in life where you're being taught things that are attributes of good people, like gentleness and being patient with people, having the strength to have calm resolve in stressful situations where you're able to be there for, for people that might not have a, as easy of a time in that situation as you. So I think it really comes down to you have to spend time. And I mean, for me, a lot of it was like actually spending time every morning thinking about what am I supposed to be doing here? And, um, you know, journaling, praying, contemplating, talking with other people. And uh, it's an extremely important part of life that I think is maybe neglected in a lot of lives. But, uh, yeah, really nailing down what am I supposed to be and, um, you know, taking it from there. That's a great answer. Uh, man, this has been awesome. This has actually been one of my favorite conversations we've had, I think, so far. Uh, oh, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Nope. <laughs> 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 Trying to be like a slogan. I don't really watch sports. I don't have any great uh, go Chiefs or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, that's about it, man. I, I think uh, – okay, I'll add this. Um because if there is someone watching this or kind of maybe feeling a little bit lost in life, uh, for me, a starting point, even like without too much influence of wanting to follow God, for some reason, I started reading the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And even if you hate God and you want nothing to do with him, there's so many little tidbits in that book that I think really help nail down. How do I live a life that's, you know, worth living? Um, so I think that's just, yeah, if I could contribute something to someone's day, then that's that's what I would I would give them. So cool. That's all I got. Yeah, we talk a lot. Just naturally, I think when you're talking about goodness, God comes into the conversation quite a bit. Um, you know, personally, I don't know how I feel, uh, yeah. but I, I, I love I love exploring that world, and um, you know, I think naturally as somebody who I've done I've done ultra marathons, and when you do these things, there's no way that you can not believe in something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I, I do think one of the fundamental, uh, things that is required of being a good person is exploring that, whether it's re reading the Bible and, and being a Christian or, or being spiritual, but not religious or in some facet following the universe and trying to understand your place in it is a, is a wonderful gift that you can give yourself really. Uh, so I'm, I'm always an advocate of people, you know, whatever that is to, to look, to look inside in that way. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta, yeah. Embrace that curiosity for whatever it is. I mean, that's always going to lead you down a, a good path. If, uh, yeah, if you're willing to have thoughts and say, I want to look into this and see what's going on. I think everyone, and this is like going to sound super ignorant. I think everyone believes in God at, at some capacity and we all have different definitions, but I think everyone has some concept of like, there is some greater force or energy in the universe and, to me, I think that's God, but uh, you know, like yoga is kind of based around the universe and yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think we all in our own ways believe in the same thing, but it's just different definitions about it. I think there's different truths in there that are, are uh, seen and not seen in different areas of exploring that. But um, 
I think we all see God in our own way. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peterson's writing a book right now called We Who Wrestle With God. I think it comes out at the beginning of next year. Uh, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about Jordan Peterson. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I agree with, a lot of stuff I disagree with. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't follow his stuff too too closely anyways, but I actually am I'm looking forward to him releasing that book and uh, diving into it. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's that might be one worth looking into. I haven't heard of it, but the title is super interesting sounding. Yeah, dude, I didn't, We Who Wrestle With God is what Israel means. Yeah. We with, uh, we who contend with God, I think. Yeah. Or yeah. wrestle. Um, but anyways, I didn't know that. And anyways, I was listening to an interview him with him talking about it. And, uh, I think a lot of his work recently has been, uh, about Christianity and exploring the Bible and breaking down, uh, the many books of it. Um, so if you're interested in that stuff, I think he might be somebody worth looking into a little bit more. For sure. Yeah. That's an important concept too, of, of wrestling with God. That's the other thing too. I think people like, I've had very disrespectful conversations with God where I was coming from a bad place. And I think in this like wrestling, that's kind of where you're also figuring out who God is and, and your relationship with him. But yeah, dude, embracing that, that curiosity, don't be afraid to dive into things and, and learn and ask questions and, you don't have to believe everything you read, you know, you can, you can disagree and, and live with that. Mm. Good deal, man. Plug your stuff. Where can people find uh, more from you? If yeah. you're interested in checking it out. Uh, die tired co Instagram, uh, websites, die tired co.com. Yeah. Feel free to check it out. That's, that's basically it. I put some stuff on TikTok. But I'm not a big TikToker. I'm just kind of <laughs> throwing it out there and seeing how it goes. But yeah, Instagram's like the main thing. Die tired co. But, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. The hat looks good. Yeah, ab- absolutely. We can do it anytime. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. Yeah, man. I appreciate the conversation. I had a great time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Good People. If you enjoyed today's conversation and you're listening on Spotify, please consider rating the show. It seriously does help us out a ton. If while you were listening, you enjoyed my conversation with Jonathan, please consider sharing the show with someone you love, perhaps your grandma. We'll see you next time.